Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Pixar Sciatica Podcast. So it has been a while since I've had a solo podcast for... Just one big reason is the fact that there are so many professionals that are out there whose main job is to help with pain relief, whether it be other physical therapists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, as well as physicians. I think that there has been a lot of negative press on medications and physicians, but ultimately there is a place, there is a time to use medications, injections, and surgeries. And although I am here, uh, as well as other professionals, to help focus on the minimally invasive procedures. There are scenarios where we need to have those to get the job done. Um, And so there's a lot of experts. There's an opportunity for them to share their experiences with you. So I hope that interviewing these other experts have been uh, helpful for your journey. And so today, I'm actually going to be focusing on today's solo podcast and actually sharing with you again, the three-step framework to pain relief. And what's really cool is the fact that this three-step framework can actually be applied to all different injuries. It doesn't have to be just sciatic pain. It doesn't have to be low back pain. In fact, I actually use this framework to address the clients that I work with who are dealing with shoulder issues, carpal tunnel issues. And it's a very simple three-step process, which I find to be very powerful. And don't let simplicity get in the way of your recovery. Simplicity exists because it allows us to have the most control over the variables in our life and allows us to focus on addressing our pain in a systematic way. And if we can address pain in a systematic way, we will have much more consistent results versus having to just try to go off the cuff and doing everything on our own without any sort of specific guidance. And so it's a three-step process. So step number one is actually going to be focusing on the activities, stretches, exercises, positions, modalities that actually make us feel good and better. And so what does better mean? Better is a multitude of factors. I think the most common is actually going to be the intensity of pain. And oftentimes when you go to a professional, whether it be a physical therapist, a physician, or even just a movement specialist, they should actually be gauging your pain and how it's feeling. It's not just, do you have no pain versus are you experiencing pain? It's going to be, tell me about the intensity of your pain. And we're looking at a scale of zero to 10. 
as long as we're moving closer to zero, that actually tells us that we're in fact getting better. The second category is actually going to be is the size of our pain, the area of pain actually going down. It's getting smaller. It's becoming a little bit more localized. And this is going to be particularly useful, especially when you're dealing with something like sciatica pain, where if you're having pain that radiates all the way down your leg, is that area of pain getting smaller in size? The other category or the other uh, criteria is actually, is the pain actually moving more centrally? Is it getting closer to my spine? Because when you're having nerve irritation, when the nerve gets significantly irritated, it can radiate all the way down. But if we're moving in the opposite direction, having it come up closer to your spine, even if your low back is more painful, that actually gives us an opportunity to say, yes, we are heading in the right direction. We call that centralization of symptoms. And if you search centralization symptoms, they're all positive indicators that you are, in fact, recovering. And the other category, which I often find gets overlooked, is going to be the progression of your symptoms. Now, with sciatica pain, again, it's nerve irritation, and there's various different degrees of nerve irritation. And so category uh, degree number one, where you're having the most irritating nerve, you're having numbness, you're having weakness, that's actually telling us that the nerve itself is quite irritated. But as it starts to get better, it should actually go from numbness to maybe more of like a pins and needles scenario, because that's when the sensations start to, to return. From there, we go into perhaps more of like an electric shock electric shock, more sharp shooting pain. Um, we're also having a little bit of burning as well. So again, those are, as long as you go from numbness to feeling a little bit of sensation, that actually helps us understand that we're in fact getting a little bit better. From there, we go from sharp shooting to more of a deep ache. And that's where the pain is going to be a little bit more diffuse, the nerve is healing a little bit better. And again, it's telling us that the nerve is actually regenerating and the stimulus is actually going to be positive. Um, from there, we have a deep ache. We then transition. And interestingly enough, I had a client who was speaking with me and saying it kind of felt like an itching feeling or kind of when some people like to call it like a heaviness and tightness. Those are the last few remnants of nerve irritation. And that tells us that we are well on our way to actual nerve recovery, which in essence, at the end of the spectrum, fully healed nerve as everything continues to feel normal. And so you have those criteria. And I wish that I was able to flip a switch and say, uh, you know, you do this thing, your pain goes away. Um, in some cases it does, but for the most part, it's going to be a gradual piece. So being able to look into those criteria and why step number one, which is going to be focusing on the activities actually bring your pain down and make you feel better. Why that's so important is because when you're doing those activities, it provides your body an opportunity to heal. When you're experiencing pain and issues, that's where things start to become problematic. And when um, we need to have an opportunity to let the inflammation run its course, because inflammation is going to facilitate healing, our tissues begin to heal, which makes us feel a lot better. But then from there, it is important to make sure and understand that there's no such thing as wrong movement. There's no such thing as improper movement. And What's really important is that you might get into a position, maybe an extreme spinal twist, or you feel like assuming the fetal position actually reduces your pain. There's going to be a lot of information that is out there that actually says this position is bad for you, but it's only bad for you when the pain as a result of that activity actually goes up. So if you assume a position and it actually makes you feel better, um, that is totally okay. Now, step number one, 
is really helpful for folks who are in an active state of pain. And so what that means is like, if you're sitting here and you're listening to this podcast and you're in pain at this moment, that means that there's got to be some sort of position that can make yourself feel a little bit better. And well, what that also means that this first point is not necessarily the most valid if you don't have pain at rest. So if you're having more so pain during a specific activity, but when you rest, you actually feel okay. That's actually when we move into the second step or the second phase of this framework, which is going to be modifying or eliminating the activities that actually make you feel worse. When you get injured, your body goes through a healing process. We have the inflammatory phase, the proliferation phase, and the maturation phase. Inflammation, the inflammatory phase, is actually the period of where we're having the most amount of pain. Consider it kind of like when you're dealing with a healing scab. And truth be told, when you have a scab, you should not be picking it because every time you pick that scab, you're going to facilitate bleeding and it will actually prolong the recovery process. And so when you are doing activities that actually cause your pain to get worse, you're doing exactly that. You're picking at that scab. And what that also encourages us is that we need to be able to have protection during those healing times. And a lot of people think that when I'm trying to protect a specific area, I'm just going to go ahead and do bed rest. And that's actually the last thing you should be doing because a lot of research has shown that bed rest itself is actually not beneficial for the healing of tissues. You're going to get stiff. You're going to get achy. It can make things more intense. And again, this step is actually going to be particularly useful when you are having pain with specific activities. And what that really means is I remember working with a client and, uh, and you, uh, you've heard this over the podcast, this guy was a runner and he felt fine when he wasn't running, but every time he ran, every time he would go for a run, the pain would actually increase. And so what that meant was, yeah, at that point, as you're healing, we should be minimizing the opportunities for running. But also number two, that also means that we have to look at running. Why is that activity causing pain in the first place? And so this second part of the framework, which says avoiding or modifying the activities that actually bring on your pain, we have to figure out why is this pain increasing? Uh, or why is this activity increasing your pain? And that actually allows us to break down and problem solve and figure out, okay, how can we do this? And ultimately it turns out that we needed to modify his running after we got his pain under control. We need to modify his running because it turns out that his running form wasn't the greatest and we needed to make some modifications so he can run pain free. This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program, we're focused on your recovery and we're offering you 24-7 access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit PT Patient Advocate advocate.com and book your free call with our experts. And then step number three is actually going to be once we figure out things that bring the pain down and how to modify things in regards to making sure that we don't flare up the pain, we have to establish a game plan to be able to say, how can we get you back into the activities that you love or the normal day-to-day activities that you haven't been able to do because of the pain that you were in? And oftentimes when you're recovering, and you're feeling a little bit better, the professionals that you're working with will probably say, okay, you can get back and do X, Y, and Z activity, but just don't overdo it. And that is a pretty valid response. But 
I, for myself, I really appreciate the objective measurements and understanding of what's going on. And so being told not to overdo it is a very unclear definition of how should I go about progressing into this. Now, before we return into these activities and establishing uh, a return to play, we have to be able to put ourselves in a position to be able to find safe movement. We brought our pain down with step number one. We modified those activities so that our pain doesn't come back. But now we have to reintroduce those activities that may have been irritating in the first place. And we have to find safe movement, which would allow us to move efficiently while also minimizing the opportunities to get pain. And so what does that mean? That looks like we have to focus on educating ourselves and our clients on bracing, the ability to create spinal stiffness. Dr. Stuart McGill, the founding father of low back pain research, talks about this concept of spinal stiffness. Planks are great, push-ups are great, but really the idea is that a lot of the injuries that we incur is the fact that our spines move way too much. So spinal stiffness is the ability to create core tension when we're doing activities. So uh, an example is taking a look at yourself in the mirror. And if you're looking at yourself in the mirror when you're walking, ideally, your sternum, which is the area right in the front of your chest and your pubic bone, which is going to be just south of your bladder, should be rotating together in sequence. If they move independent of each other, that means that we're not having enough spinal stiffness and we're creating a sheer force. So something like bracing is going to allow us to create that stability and that stiffness, which would allow us to be able to move efficiently and minimize those opportunities for pain, which then means that once we are able to build up the spinal stiffness, we have to allow ourselves to move at the hips, which is why we're looking at the movements of hinging, also known as deadlifting, picking things up off the floor, squatting, being able to rise up from a chair or sit onto a toilet without pain lunging, which is going to be focusing on one leg at a time, and then carrying, which is going to be focusing on building up that core stiffness. When we're able to implement those movements safely, that gives us actually the prerequisites to be able to move on into more advanced activities such as running, other sports activities. And you can do that in your own by watching YouTube videos. If you've been on our YouTube channel, we have a lot of videos on actually how to do these activities but also you can work with someone who can make sure that you're doing it under supervision. In regards to how much, I think the, we have to ask the big question of what does overdoing it mean? And so I often like to say is for every month that you've been out of activity, that is one week of recovery. So that's, that's going to be criteria number one. So if you've been out for six months. That means that you're going to have at least six weeks before you build up to your normal self. It's kind of like if you are trying to get back into shape after not working out for a long period of time. Uh, for those who've done that, you know how sore you feel after not working out for a period of time and going right into it. I myself back in 2019 took a hiatus from doing CrossFit like workouts. And then I ended up doing this big workout called Murph, which is about an hour long. I actually worked myself so so hard that I caused this condition called rhabdomyolysis, which caused my muscles to break down. And that was a huge learning experience for me because as an athlete, I was so used to actually push myself so hard. So what is the appropriate amount to be able to push yourself? You're looking at about 10 to 15% per week in regards to adding more work. So start small and then start building up again, increasing no more than 15%. I like to use time. So if you're starting off at 10 minutes, think about adding 
um, what is it, 15, uh, if you're starting at 10 minutes, that looks at adding an extra 90 seconds of activity per day. Um, so that way it allows you to really make sure that you're staying with that 15% or below. And what's really cool is that this three-step framework, it's extremely powerful because that's where you're able to really address the problems that were causing your pain in the first place. And what's also really cool is that now that you have this framework, you can actually follow through with this on your own because as long as you keep track of your symptoms and your progress, um, you have the opportunity to be able to say, these are the changes that I can make. Again, step number one is focusing on the activities that bring your pain down. Step number two is modifying or eliminating those activities that increase your pain. And then number three is focusing on a game plan to return back to your normal self. And again, you can do this on your own. Um, that's why we have podcasts like this. That's why on my website, ifixyoursciatica.com, I actually create content for you every single day, which allows you to have those actionable steps to take care of this all by yourself. But if you are in fact tired of doing all of this by yourself, then you don't have to be alone. There's people like me um, who are there to help you, to help you move. And don't be afraid to ask. And even if you have been burned from one clinician to the other, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on the folks who are there to help you. And I encourage you to be the biggest advocate for yourself. So if you are receiving care that you like the provider, awesome. But if you don't feel like the care is actually for you at this point, what's going to be important is that you tell them, you say, I don't think this is pushing me to be, I don't think this is making me feel better. A lot of people get concerned of being able to bring that up to their person, to their professional. But I get on these calls and what's interesting is that people say, yeah, I'm working with this clinician and like they're nice and everything, but my pain isn't getting any better. I'm not here to say your clinician doesn't know what they're doing, but I'm here to say if they're not making you feel better, tell them and they should be able to make changes. And if they don't, that might be an opportunity for you to start looking elsewhere in regards to your recovery. If you've been in pain for such a long period of time, I want you to know that there is hope and that you can recover. And as long as you follow this stepwise process, you are going to be one step closer to full recovery. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.